Welcome to the Grace Capital City Podcast. We are a community of Jesus followers located in Washington, D.C., working to see God's kingdom come through worship, family, and justice. For more information about our church, go to gracecapitalcity.com. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoyed this week's message. Good evening, Greece, Capital City. Thanks for joining us. I hope you guys are doing okay wherever you are. You're watching in your living room, your bedroom, your office. So glad you tuned in and are fellowshipping with us. So we were supposed to be starting our summer series this evening. Um, we had this whole series planned out, or have this whole series planned out in the book of Jeremiah. It's a great series, and that's where we are going to be spending the summer. But because this is the year 2020, um, nothing quite goes as you expected it to. And so it felt pretty clear to me as we were leading up to this week that we needed to pivot and we needed to pause and we needed to pay attention to what is going on in our city, to what is going on in our nation. But I have also felt God really challenging me to say, you know what, we need to pay attention to what is going on in our souls right now. And so the book of Jeremiah will still be around next Sunday when we can kick off our series. But for tonight, I, I felt led to highlight um, a psalm instead. Psalm 13. This is one of the psalms of David. So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And I'm going to read just the first four verses right now, and then we'll read a couple more verses in a little bit. This is Psalm 13, verses 1 through 4. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. I'll be honest, church, I have been seeking a word for a while now um, to speak into this moment. I've been asking God, what, what should I say? I, I need a word. I, need, I don't want to just speak from my wisdom or my best idea. Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to us, Grace Capital City, tonight. And I felt like Holy Spirit dropped a, a very specific phrase that I want to press into a little bit. The phrase is simple, but I think deeply meaningful for us right now. And the phrase was this, it's just, you're carrying a lot right now. That's what it was. I, I felt like God say that to me just a few days ago, you're carrying a lot right now. And so I've been processing that. I, I've been processing it for myself, but more so I've actually been processing it for, for us and for, for you, praying into that. You're carrying a lot like that. And what I've realized is I think embedded in there, there's somewhat of a, a challenge or, or maybe a better way to say it is somewhat of an invitation. And the invitation in that phrase is to recognize to pause, to breathe, to sit, 
and to, to actually take stock for a minute what is going on in our hearts, our minds, and our souls right now. And then to name some of those things. Guys, there is incredible power in naming things. We see this all throughout the Bible. When Jesus confronts the demon-possessed man, the first thing he says, what is your name? And the reason naming something is so powerful is because when we name something, Sometimes we're able to gain a perspective. We're able to see it for what it is. We're able to recognize it and enter into it. We're able to have greater solidarity with it. And I think sometimes in our own souls, we don't take enough time to, to pause and to name what it is we've been experiencing, especially over this year so far. And so I, I want to do that. I, I want to name some things. It's It's... It's almost hard to believe that it was only five months ago, six months ago, that, that sermons were running hot with 2020 vision. I don't know if you remember that. Around about January, every preacher was preaching their 2020 vision. Now, in my defense, I don't know if you remember this, I said I am never going to title a sermon in 2020, 2020 vision, because that's just lame and we're not going to do it. But we did press into some vision. I came into the year with vision. You came into the year with vision. I had so many conversations with people in our church about places you were going to go and things you were going to do. I, there's so many people who got engaged in the last 12 months and vision for these amazing wedding celebrations you were going to have. Where all your friends and all your family and it was going to be a throwdown. People had vision for their jobs and promotions you were hoping for. People had vision for your spiritual life or your relational life or even just getting in shape, right? We come into this year with vision. If there was ever a year to have vision for our lives, surely 2020 would have to be it, right? And then, then a global pandemic hits. And I don't know about you, in my vision planning for the year, I didn't, didn't account for that one, didn't see that one coming. But this global pandemic hits, and with it comes you know, the greatest economic downturn we've seen since the Great Depression. With it comes over 100,000 people who have lost their lives to date. Some of you have probably lost people you know, people you love, or at the very least have had people who have been deeply affected by the coronavirus. We've seen gatherings canceled. We've seen trips canceled. Weddings that were supposed to be celebrations with family and friends flying in from around the country have become quaint, important, small social distance gatherings. Some of you guys have lost jobs or been furloughed. There are some of you even tonight and you find yourself in a, in a situation, a financial hole, and you don't really know how you're going to get out of it. Right? For some of you, you've been isolated. You live by yourself and maybe you've been isolated for the better part of three months now and the loneliness has hit you at different moments, just, just attacked you. 
For a lot of parents, you know, maybe you were working full-time already, and now not only are you working full-time, now you are homeschooling full-time, and so marriages are under stress, and households are under stress, and finances are under stress, and relationships are under stress, and jobs are under stress. And, 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 and I say all this not to dwell on this moment, but just to name it, and then to say to you and remind you, Guys, you are carrying a lot right now. And then in the midst of a global pandemic, we witness these horrific acts of violence against members of the black community. We saw the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, the murder of Breonna Taylor, the murder of George Floyd. We see these horrific Acts the, 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 for the reality of racism, the reality of the evil and history of racism on our country is splashed across the media. It's splashed across social media in such a graphic way for all of us to see. And, and for so many of us, we're, we're shocked, we're stunned. I, I've talked to so many of the black members of our church and this narrative again and again that people have told me they grew up believing that culture had told them this is what your life is worth. And then all of a sudden seeing these murders, that narrative is, is perpetuated again. It's, it's, it's put in the conscience of every single person. And this, this, this narrative, this, this principality of systemic racism that has plagued our nation is, is put in front of us in this graphic and real way. And so I just speak for a minute to the African American members of our church just to speak something that you are already acutely aware of, and that is that you are carrying a lot right now. And then out of that, of course, we've seen the overflow, the generations of oppression spilling out onto our streets, right, into, into protests, people who have faced systematic racism, who, who, who are believing that, that maybe something can change, that maybe because of the death, the, the deaths of these young people, something could change. Maybe there is a moment of, of, of hope. And so we've seen protests in so many of the cities around this nation, and so much of it is good and beautiful and important and feels historic in a really profound way as people are on the streets declaring a better future and, and, and protesting against these evils. And yet, like this happens so often in these moments, a few people hijack it. And, and, and we see looting and we see rioting and we see violence and, and, and shops set on fire and cars set on, on fire. And add to that, I know there are many members of our church that are in law enforcement, police officers, Secret Service, National Guard. And you find yourselves trapped. You, you've seen the evils of racism. You know that the voice of the protesters is the right voice. It's the historic voice. And yet you have sworn this oath to protect people and, and property. And you find yourself trapped in this moment of how to live and how to act and what, what to do. And so I, I just 
point all that out, not because it's news to you. You're living it. You're in it right now. Many of you are on the streets protesting even, even today, perhaps. I point that out just to say you're carrying a lot right now. You're carrying a lot right now. And sometimes we need to name it and speak to the reality of what it is that we are carrying. Guys, I, I, I truly believe that, that easy answers and impressive theologies and high-tech productions is not what we need right now. There, there are moments when we just need to sit and we need to lament and we need to grieve and we need to name the fear and we need to name the frustration and we need to name the disappointment, whether it's systemic, societal, cultural evils like racism that need to be named. Well, for some of you, maybe it's the smaller things, but still important things for you in your life, like a wedding that was canceled or a job that was lost. We need to name these things. And so David says in Psalm 13, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Maybe some of you relate to this lament of David this evening. Look on me. Answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing my heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. David says, I trust in your unfailing love. Now, I don't know if you're like me when you read that. You're kind of like, hang on a second, David. Like, you were lamenting. You were grieving. You were pouring out your soul. Lord, will you forget me forever? And it seems like by the time you get to the end of this psalm, you're kind of like, oh, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> like, is this a situation where David was just like, you know what? I, I, was, I was writing this psalm and I felt kind of crummy at the beginning, but it was, it was really healing for me to write it. And I think I'm good now. I think I've moved on. And, and I think, you know, it was just good for me to write it all down. And now I'm good. Is, is that what we take away from this psalm? Is that what David is that what's happening in David's heart? And, and I want to suggest to us tonight, guys, that there's something way deeper here. Because this psalm, I think it names a reality that is really important. Important in the psalm, but actually important in this moment right now. Important in the light of everything we are carrying right now. And the, the reality that the psalm names is this. It is okay for a lot of things to be true all at once right now. For a lot of things to be true all at once. And what I mean by that is, is that when we follow Jesus, that there's a tension that we find ourselves in at different times. And, and I think David is naming this tension, right? You feel this tension of this lament, this grief, these evildoers 
that are after him to take his life. And yet the tension of, and yet I trust in you, God. I, I rejoice in you, God, right? He's, he's naming this tension of a lot of things that seem at odds with each other being true all at the same time. Now, the reason we can live in this tension, guys, is because we have to realize that to trust God, to, to sing to God, to praise God, to rejoice in God, all these things that David names at the end of this psalm, to, to do those things is not an emotional feeling of everything's okay. Right? I, I don't think that's what's going on with David. Right? It's, it's not a, you know, I've moved on and I'm happy and, you know, I'm just completely healed. And not only am I completely healed, but guess what? All the evils of the world and the systemic things and, and the oppression and the racism and all the pains of the world are, are, are healed. And we can just sing kumbaya and, and hug each other and just move on. Everything's healed. That, that's not what praise is about. And that's not what trust is about. Guys, I want to say to us tonight, that's not what it's about for David in this psalm. And that's not what it is about for us as followers of Jesus either. See, here's what we need to realize about praise tonight. Historically, for the church, for 2,000 years, praise is protest. Praise is protest. And not only is praise protest, praise is, is prophecy. To praise God is an act of protest. To, to praise God is an act of prophecy. And what I mean by that is that for 2,000 years, the Christian faith has been marked by women and men who have said these words, or words just like these, in the face of unspeakable evil. An unspeakable tragedy. People who have lived through global pandemics a thousand times worse than what we're even facing today. People who have survived concentration camps. People who have survived famines and, and, and world wars. Slaves who have sung songs pointing to a new Jerusalem. Parents who have lost children to acts of violence or malnourishment or war. To, to praise God is not an emotional response of everything's good. But historically for the church, praise has been part of the protest of the Christian faith. To declare prophetically declare the goodness of God even in the face. And that's why David can hold this psalm in its tension. That's why his praise of God does not minimize his lament. His declaration of God's goodness does not trivialize the pain that he has gone through. It's because these to exist in tension. Praise is protest. I was thinking an example of this, I think one of the most important and maybe poignant examples of this is, is the civil rights movement. In the 1960s, and, and there was a hymn, it was a repurposed hymn that became in a lot of ways an anthem for the civil rights movement was We Shall Overcome. 
and it was rewritten and some verses were added. But in a lot of ways, the, the, the hymn, We Shall Overcome, became a, a rallying cry. It became a, a, a rallying cry for marches and worship services where civil rights leaders and, and communities of African Americans would gather and they would sing these words, we shall overcome. And, and, and I wrote down just a few of the verses. I don't know how familiar you are with the hymn, but there are multiple verses. But these are just three of the verses that I thought were so profound um, for what I'm talking about, about praises, protests. And the verses, it says this, it says, we shall overcome, we shall overcome, we shall overcome someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. And the Lord will see us through. The Lord will see us through. The Lord will see us through someday. Oh, deep in my heart, I do believe we shall overcome someday. We're on to victory. We're on to victory. We're on to victory someday. Deep in my heart, I do believe we're on to victory someday. I love that. The Lord will see us through. Do you, do you feel the prophecy in that hymn? Do you feel the, the protest in, in that hymn? It's not about denial of reality. It's not about denial of grief. It's not about pretending things are healed or that everything's right in, in the world. It's, it's recognizing the pain and struggle of today, but by the grace of God declaring a better tomorrow. Praise is protest. Praise is prophecy. And so I'm not telling you tonight what to do. I'm not telling you how to feel. You, you are where you are. And for many of you, you find yourself and you are only living, able to live in the first half of this psalm, the lament, the grief. And, and I want to say to you tonight, that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to sit. It's okay to name. It's okay to grieve and lament. But what I am saying to you is that you can hold these things in tension. To declare the goodness of God and the promise of God's new heavens and new earth and all the things that we hold on to does not minimize or trivialize the pain and reality of today. In fact, I think it dignifies it. It recognizes that pain. Right? David's sorrow is no less real by the end of this psalm than it is in the beginning. He's still lamenting. He's still in sorrow. But he reminds us that these two realities, the reality of everything you're holding, everything you're carrying today, everything you're feeling today, that you can hold that tension and still, not in the midst of happiness and joy, but even in the midst of, of gritted fists, clenched fists and tears and sorrow, hope and believe for a better tomorrow. And so I name this, I want to just name this as your pastor right now. You are carrying a lot. 
right now. And I encourage you to invite the Holy Spirit to meet you in that space. Where you are. Not where you think you should be. Not where you wish you were. Not where 2020 dreams had you believing you would be. But where you are now. You're carrying a lot right now. And so we wanted to create some space to, to sit, to be. I asked Anaka and Jason if they would just lead us in some, just some prophetic worship, just a time to soak, to pray, to grieve. If all you can do is just sit on your couch and watch and let someone sing over you, that's okay. If you want to kneel and weep, that's okay. If you want to pray and repent, pray for our city, pray for our nation, pray for our brothers and sisters, then that's okay as well. But this time, this next 10, 15 minutes is just for you. For you to meet with the Holy Spirit, to allow God to minister to you in that space.